Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, or whenever you're listening to this podcast. I'm really excited about what I want to share with you today because it's made a big impact on me, and I think it's helped me become a better husband, become a better father, become a better person in general. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about some of the things the Lord's been showing me during the first few years of marriage. And, um, you know, one of my favorite marriage stories, uh, I like to ask couples that have been married for 30, 40, 50 years, what's the secret to being married for so long? And, you know, some of them have fun answers, some of them have silly answers, some of them have really wise answers. But I asked this couple this one time, I was working at the front desk of a hotel and a couple was checking out that they said, oh, you know, thank you for the stay. It was fantastic. We were here to celebrate our 40 year anniversary. So as the husband and wife were both there, you know, gathering their luggage and, and, and whatnot, I asked the uh, husband, you know, what's the secret to being married for 40 years? And as I asked him, his wife had to go back upstairs and get something from the room. So she was stepping away, didn't hear the conversation. He looks at me and he says, son, two words. Yes, dear. And, you know, I was in my early 20s at the time. I kind of cocked my head sideways, looked at him and didn't have a clue what he meant by that. I thought he just, you know, maybe he was saying that if you're just submissive as the husband, that the marriage will last long or something like that. Uh, didn't understand at the time. But the uh, the wife came down. She brought what she had, and they, they took it to the car. And he stepped away to carry the luggage the rest of the way to the car, and she was waiting at the desk. So I asked her. I said, you know, what's the secret to being married for 40 years. And she looks at me and smiles. And she says, well, you know, understanding each other at a deep level, sharing your hopes and dreams with your spouse. And as she started to say this, the husband walks back in and starts to stand next to the desk looking at her. And she says, you know, being able to communicate and share and understand each other and know what's going on. And when you have a conflict, being able to talk it out and resolve that conflict. And then she looks at her husband and she says, isn't that right, honey? He looks at me and winks and he looks at her and he says, yes, dear. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I lost it. I tried to keep my, uh, my chuckling inside just because I don't think she... I think she might have been insulted, uh, but it really warmed my heart. And reflecting back on that story, I think there was a deeper meaning to when the gentleman said, yes, dear, is the secret to marriage and marriage lasting a long time. What I want to talk about today is how you can become a servant husband. You know, there's a lot of talk nowadays about being a servant leader and how that makes a big difference on organizations and on teams. But I haven't heard that phrase, servant husband. And the reason I want to talk about that specifically 
is having an approach to marriage that's coming from a place of how can I serve makes a lot of difference. Now, I know what you might be thinking. How long, Andrew, have you been married? Well, I don't pretend to know more than I do. So my story is my wife and I have been married for three years. And I intend to share both on what I've learned about marriage, but also we have a toddler and he's two years old. So I want to talk about parenting as well. So you have some fair questions probably saying, well, you've been married for three years. So what could you possibly know about marriage? Or you have a two-year-old. What could you know about parenting? And that's fair. And I actually feel the same way. So what I mean by that is, uh, you know, people tend to assume that if you've been married 10, 15 years, you might know what you're talking about. But I don't think it's so much about how long have you been married or how long have you been parenting as it is what have you learned during that time. So I, I know people who've been married for 50 years and they're miserable. And I know people who aren't even married yet that I've met and thought, wow, you'll be such a blessing to a spouse someday. So like I said, one of my, uh, one of the things that I value most is authenticity. So I'm going to be authentic and vulnerable on this podcast. I have made a lot of mistakes, but God has been merciful and he's taught me along the way. And as I'm learning those things, I want to share some of those things that have really helped my marriage. And that's our goal on the Hidden Home Podcast, is we want to share how do you live a life that's hidden in Jesus, build a home where he is Lord. And that makes all the difference. And whether you're single, married, or you have friends and just want to get better at relationships, the things the Lord showed me that I want to share with you today, they're going to make a difference. It'll really help you. So um, the first kind of encounter or conversation I ever had with God about marriage was the year that I met my spouse, about six months before I met her. And I would say maybe a year, year and a half before I had gotten out of a really unhealthy relationship. So I was not interested in dating. I was not interested in marriage. And in fact, I wasn't that interested in uh, even having friendships with women because I was pretty convinced that women were pretty crazy. Um, found out later it wasn't women that were crazy. It was the woman I had been with that was crazy. But when I was walking home one afternoon, I was really struck by the presence of God in a powerful way. And it just became alive in my heart that what God was talking to me is he said, I'm going to bring you your wife this year. And I remember responding back and saying, I don't know how I feel about that, God. I've tried relationships and I'm not really excited about it. And he said very clearly, you have no idea how much of a blessing it would be to be married to one of my daughters. And I remember a picture that came into my heart as he said that was just of him smiling. And there's such a deep meaning buried in the twinkle in his eyes that I knew there was something there I didn't understand. 
So in my heart, I wanted to hear more, and what he said next changed everything. He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. There's so much joy in giving. And what I knew in that moment is that I could live my life single and not experience marriage, not experience fatherhood, and there was a certain level of revelation of God I was going to receive. But he wanted me to experience what it's like to be a husband and what it's like to be a father and the joy of giving to your spouse, of giving to your children. And so, you know, I opened my heart at that moment to that. And I'll tell you more of my story of how I met my spouse and, and got married later. But that goes back to Acts 20, verse 35, where Paul is talking and uh, saying goodbye to a group of people. And he quotes Jesus as saying, it is more blessed to give than to receive. There's a couple of times in my relationship with my wife and in fatherhood that have really shown me that. And one time I think is quite funny, but uh, when my son was born, my wife and I had him in the hospital and spent a couple of nights at the hospital just to make sure everybody was okay, that she was okay, that he was okay. And the very first night, I remember needing to change his diaper for the first time. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a child, but a newborn, their first diaper is an interesting situation. Doesn't smell bad, nothing like that. But you open it up and it's kind of like tar, like black tar. Anyway, I won't share too much detail on that. But I remember getting up there and he is this tiny little thing. And the thing that surprised me the most is just seeing him move by himself and realizing this is a tiny little person. But he is utterly and entirely dependent on me. And as I took his diaper off and cleaned him up for the first time, I looked at him and literally said this out loud. I said, thank you, buddy. You're doing your job and I'm doing my job. And what clicked in my head at that time was I was the one who wanted to have a son. And so I asked the Lord, I asked my wife, I initiated this. And he was just beginning life and his job was to eat and fill diapers. And my job, how I could participate in our relationship, was to burp him and change those diapers. And I realized in that moment that I actually got a lot of joy out of doing that for him. And you know, having a two-year-old, there are little moments where he just completely melts my heart. Like last Christmas, or the, I mean, I, I guess actually it was the Christmas before last when he looks up to me and it's in the middle of the night and he says, da, and his eyes twinkle. And I realize, oh my gosh, he just said, D, he could probably say dada. So I say, buddy, say dada. And he does for the first time. And hearing my son say dada and just his eyes twinkling and lighting up looking at me, you know, those moments warm my heart. But 
I think the most joy that I get out of being a father and out of being married is finding the ways that I can bless him and bless my wife. And this is the first thing that I think really changes your perspective for marriage is if you approach marriage, if you approach a relationship with this question, what can I give? Not what can I get? It changes everything. And you can do that no matter what type of relationship you're in. If it's marriage, if it's a friendship, you could be 12 years old listening to this podcast and you could totally apply this to your relationship with your parents. Having that thought process of what can I give in this scenario? What can I do to love this other person? And not what can I get? It heals a lot of wounds and it opens people's hearts to each other and it gives a chance for unity. So for example... Let's say as a family, you guys just had dinner and now you're getting up. A lot of times there's a temptation to say, I'm not going to clear my plate. Mom will do that. Or I don't really feel like doing the dishes. I'm just going to wander over, sit on the couch, turn on the TV, and then hopefully somebody else will do the dishes. But having the thought process of what can I do? to bless my spouse might lead you to getting up and taking your dishes over to the sink, rinsing them off, throwing them in the dishwasher. And I found that filling your day with little moments like that of what can I do for my spouse in this moment, whether it's clearing the dishes, whether it's cleaning up after yourself, uh, when you get changed instead of throwing clothes on the floor, but putting them over in a bin. These are all significant ways that actually make an impact on the other people that you share your home with. And learning to love them in different ways makes a big difference. And I did not have this attitude when my wife and I first got married. You know, I had been single for quite a few years, living out on my own, out of my parents' house, and I'd gotten used to things being a certain way, being my way. And when I got married, I don't know why, but it didn't occur to my lightning-fast mind that I was marrying somebody who's very different from me. She has a different way of loading the dishwasher. She has a different way of doing laundry. She has a different way of doing dishes. She has different things she likes to cook and eat. And that I don't know why, but it took me quite a while to wrap my mind around that fact. I remember having a lot of conversations with my wife where I would say, honey, why don't you do it this way? Or honey, why don't you do it that way? Or honey, why don't you do it that way? And what the Lord really showed me is that I was expecting her to be like me, but she's not. If I was married to me, I would drive me crazy. So I'm thankful she's not like me, but I had to learn to value those differences and then to approach our relationship from a place of what can I do to serve my spouse? And there's three specific areas, I think, that we as men 
can learn to serve our spouses, can learn to serve our parents, can learn to serve our friends and the relationships that we're in. And I'm specifically speaking about how to serve your wife, but in this scenario, you can use these things to apply to any relationship. Because if you approach a relationship from a heart of service towards somebody else, that relationship will get better. It'll get healthier and that individual will feel loved. And that's our goal, is to show Jesus to each other. So the three specific things I think you can do is first, you can use your body to serve your spouse. You can use your mind and you can use your words. So what do I, what do I mean by that? Using your body to serve your spouse. So um, I was thinking about this just yesterday because right now my wife is eight and a half months pregnant and she is ready to have a baby. And this baby could not come any sooner, um, by which I mean she's ready to not be pregnant anymore. But uh, what I realize is wives, whenever they have a child, they're using their body to serve their husband by giving him a son or a daughter. And they're also using their body to serve their baby in a very intense, intimate um, way that's not super convenient for the mom. The baby is just growing and doesn't know any better and will wake up in the middle of the night and kick mom, etc. But my wife has an amazing attitude about pregnancy. She's very peaceful. Um, she does everything she can still around the house. She doesn't hardly ever complain. And what I realized was she is using her body to serve me and to serve our child. And yesterday, there was a project outside she wanted to get done, cut down some trees and move them around in the yard and cut some firewood. But it was a lot of work, let me tell you. Um, and what I realized at that moment, I think it was like six hours in, I'm exhausted out of my mind, keep pushing through. What I realized was I am using my body right now to serve my spouse. I have more than enough energy. I have more than enough health. I am in great physical condition. I can afford to work really, really hard to get things done from a physical nature that will bless her when the baby gets here. And I realize that applies to little things like, you know, we as men, we see these great physical achievements and we look up to them. So for example, if somebody is MVP of the Super Bowl because they can throw a football, um, you know, exactly where they want it to go to the wide receivers and, uh, you know, read a field in a millisecond and know what to do. We as men, we look up to that. But that can be a man using his body to serve his team, but it can also be a man using his body to serve his pride. You know, when, when guys build muscle and become bodybuilders or whatever, I think we look up to that too. 
and we say, wow, you know, they're in peak physical condition. But at the same time, they could be using their body to serve others. Or and oftentimes, bodybuilders are using their body to serve their ego and to serve themselves. So the, the greatest use of something is the use of something in a way that God intends. It's the use of something to love somebody else. And Jesus is our greatest example of a man. And how did he use his body? Well, he used his body to heal everyone he touched. And he also used his body to sacrifice and take the place of the church, take the place of God's children who had sinned and were not able to be united to God and deserve death. And Jesus took that place and sacrificed himself on all of our behalf. So how did he use his body? He used his body to serve. And so I put it to you that we as men, in a very significant way, are using our body for its greatest purpose when we find opportunities to work around the house, when we clean, when we do laundry, if we do dishes, that is not necessarily a feminine thing to do. Because if you are using your body to serve your wife, there's no more godly thing that you can do. So anyway, this, this blew my mind thinking about this the other day. And uh, I just really encourage you I think as guys, we like a challenge. So one of the things that I like to do is I like to say, how fast can I finish the dishes? How fast can I clean the house? And to push myself, so it actually becomes a little bit of a workout sometimes. Uh, you know, how fast can I cut down this tree and cut it up and carry it over? Uh, and, you know, we we can, I, I kind of set that aside in my mind as like, I just did you know, 16 squats at 250 pounds or something like that, where I can be proud of the fact that I am using my body in a way that serves my family. So the second thing also that I want to share with you is using your mind to serve your spouse. So this one's key, and I'm going to have to dive into this in some future episodes of the podcast, but there's a verse in Colossians, it's 3.18, through 19. It says, wives submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord and husbands love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Now I ask myself, why does it say husbands love your wives? Okay. We've heard that before. It's in other verses, but specifically do not be bitter toward them. Well, one of the things that I've found is the greatest cause of conflict or strife in marriage. And honestly, in any relationship is if you have certain expectations and maybe your spouse or your friend or your parents don't live up to those expectations, then there's an opportunity for offense. And what is offense? Offense is, I think it's a wall we build in our hearts that it's trying to kind of protect us from this other person hurting us in the same way in the future. So it might be disappointment and then it grows into offense when in our hearts we say, well, they're always that way, or they're always going to be that way. And, you know, I think disappointment 
which comes from unmet expectations, can grow into offense, and offense can grow into bitterness. And bitterness is this just underlying resentment that comes from many little offenses unforgiven over time that can build into this feeling of my spouse is always this way, right? Fill in the blank. And the relationships that I've seen of people who've been married 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years who are the most miserable are the husbands and wives who are bitter towards each other. And I realized that as the father, as the husband, as the head of the home, one of the most important things I can do to serve my family is to not let bitterness grow up in my heart. I need to protect myself. And what is the best antidote towards bitterness? It's gratitude. So what does this look like? So for me, for example, I think it's very easy to be bitter towards your children. What do I mean by that? Well, little kids need us a lot. And they don't have much of a concept of the fact that we're separate people. So for example, uh, my two-year-old, just yesterday, he's absolutely adorable and so sweet. And he asks me to color with him. So he hands me a crayon. So I go and I color on the paper that he has, this little coloring book, and immediately he sees where I'm coloring, grabs my hand, takes the crayon out, and says, no color. And then he does it again when I stop coloring and and says, color with me, color with me. At the same time, you know, um, he gets up in the middle of the night and needs me and wakes me up. There are chances there, I think, to just let little frustrations grow in my heart. But instead, what I'm thinking in my mind is I am so thankful that my son wants to spend time with me. If he's selfish in that moment, that is the way two-year-olds are. And I'm going to teach him how to love and how to love his mom and how to love his siblings. And I think when he wakes up in the middle of the night, like for example, um, he woke up last night, middle of the night and called for me screaming, I go into the room and find out he's cold, he filled his diaper, he's wet, etc. And what can I think in that moment? I can think he woke me up, which leads to frustration. Or I can think he needed me and he knew that if he asked for help, I would help fulfill his need. He can't get up and change his diaper. He can't change his clothes. He can't tuck himself in, but I can. And so... I see that as him just asking for help, and then I have an opportunity to serve him in that. So what does this look like with a spouse in using your mind to serve your spouse and protecting your heart from bitterness? Another opportunity. Last night, my wife, who I'll remind you is eight and a half months pregnant, and daily everything is more challenging because she is the 100% of the time caretaker for our daughter. She asked me to rub her back. Now, I can approach that a couple of different ways. I can say, well, I worked all day for you and my back is sore. So why don't you you know, rub my back? And that's probably the most selfish way that you could approach it. And to be honest, it, 
thankfully didn't occur to me last night. Um, but there's other ways I think that you can see that. And it's all about perspective and our minds are powerful things and our will, our decision-making is powerful and we could actually choose our perspective. So in that moment, what did I choose to think? I thought she has been carrying this baby for eight and a half months. I will do anything she asks, <laughs> which is just, I am thankful. I really appreciate the fact that she's willing to carry our daughter. She could have easily said, you know, we had a son, I'm done. And there's definitely some women out there who say that, and I'm not condemning them. And maybe they're only called to have one kid. But I think when I saw, you know, her willingness um, it did something in my heart and I like to remind myself all the time of what she's doing for our family right now so that if there's extra, you know, dishes that I need to do or cooking or cleaning around the house or things like that so she can just rest and prepare mentally for the baby to arrive, that that is a good thing. Um, but it's, it would be easy, I think, to if I just looked at it from my own perspective and say, well, now I have to do this. Now I have to do that. Now I have to do this. Um, and there's definitely been days where, unfortunately, I've gotten into that mindset. But you're never happy when you're constantly thinking about how you may or may not be disappointed by things your spouse is doing. But if you realize, no, I have an opportunity to serve them in this moment. And then you see times when, uh, you know, maybe your spouse needs a little extra help. And like I said, when your wife is eight months pregnant, nine months pregnant, you need to man up and do more things around the house. And I think, you know, being able to do those things is a way of showing love. So that's kind of what I've learned, I think, um, I definitely want to dive more into how to keep your heart from bitterness, keep your heart from unforgiveness uh, and from offense and how those things go together. I think that's one of the single most important things you can learn about relationships is how to keep your heart clear. I like to think about it as keeping short accounts. So if there's conflict in a relationship, if there's frustration, if there's offense, if there's hurt, um, you know, you don't necessarily ignore the hurt, but you know how to deal with it in a healthy way and in a timely way. So we've talked about using your body to serve your spouse, using your mind. Now I want to talk about what I think is actually the most important, which is using your words. So Ephesians 5, 25 through 28 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might, and listen to this, sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Wow. When I first heard that, fireworks went off in my brain, and I realized that my biggest responsibility as a husband is to love my wife through my words. And that's both in what you choose to say and what you choose not to say. Because just because you wish somebody might do something differently doesn't mean it's that moment that you should share that. And so I've really tried to apply this intentionally in my relationship 
with my wife and with my son. And one of the biggest ways is just giving words of affirmation freely and often. So for example, um, let's say that your uh, spouse cooks dinner for you and it wasn't horrible. Uh, and what I mean by that is the bar is really low when it comes to words of affirmation. If you approach as the bar is really high and you say, you know, I want my husband to take me out to dinner, to take me on a vacation for two weeks before I'm going to say thank you, you're not going to find many opportunities for words of affirmation. Uh, and the other thing is, the more you speak life into somebody, the more you're encouraging them to do that thing again. So if your spouse does something that blesses you, if your parents do something that bless you, then make sure to thank them for it. And it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be absolutely amazing for you to say thank you. So one of the things I like to do is if my wife ever does anything for me, which she does a lot and daily, uh, I like to try to thank her every time I think about that thing. So, you know, when I first hear about it, I like to say thank you multiple times and tell her why it means so much to me. And then throughout the rest of the day, whenever I think about it and I remember, you know, I like to say thank you again. Um, and I think doing that multiple times really makes a big impact. Another thing is I try to speak life over my son. Um, and, you know, when we go on walks, he loves to go for walks. He can't quite say ours right now. So his word for run is mun, but he can say go, 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 go. And he doesn't quite have W's. So it's not totally walk yet. It's a little bit more like buck. Um, but he'll say dada, buck, peas. <laughs> and we'll, he'll grab my finger. We'll go for a walk down the road, holding hands. And, uh, one of the things I like to do is just tell him, you're doing such a good job, little man. You are, you know, you're so strong. You're so fast. You can do this. I'm so proud of you. And then when I tuck him in at night, I like to say, you know, you are blessed and you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. And God blesses everything you do. And you're wise beyond your years. And I realize there are so many blessings in the word of God. And if we speak those over our children, if we speak those over our spouse, you know, every once in a while I'll pray over my wife and I'll tell her that she's blessed and the work of her hands is blessed, her mind is blessed, and that everything she sets her hands to prospers and that, um, you know, she's healthy and all these things. I like to take specific blessings from the word of God and speak that over my spouse and over my children. And what I've found is this verse says, Jesus loves us and gave himself for us that he might sanctify and cleanse us with the washing of water by the word. So sanctification and cleansing are two separate things, and we may have to dive into them later. But to be sanctified is to become holy or set apart to be cleansed is really the removal of bad things. So the way I look at it is cleansing is the removal of bad things and sanctification is the addition of good things or virtuous things or holy things. And so when we speak positive words, there's another verse in Proverbs that says death and life is in the power of the tongue. 
So we can speak good things or we can speak bad things. If you speak bad things over your spouse constantly, then that is what you will get. You bring those things into existence through your words or you grow them through your words. But if you speak life over your wife, even over your parents, and you can even apply this at work, you speak life over your coworkers, you speak life over scenarios, that is such a powerful thing that um, it makes a big difference. And so, you know, I like to speak good things and I'll, I'll confess, <laughs> have a moment of transparency that some of the things that I do that frustrate my wife the most is if I get into a mood and I'm constantly speaking negative things about, oh, I wish the house was cleaner or, oh, I wish this or that or, oh, you know, those types of things. And it's not really meant personally. Usually it's just because I'm tired and I just need to go to bed and shut up. I'm, I am very much a morning person. And when it gets to a certain time at night, I realize I don't need to be having super, super deep conversations. I need to be sleeping and I will be a normal human in the morning. Um, but I realized that, you know, those types of things, if you constantly speak out those negativities, I mean, who wants to be with somebody who's constantly pointing out little ways they can be better? Like that is so frustrating and not life-giving at all. And so one of the most important ways I think we can serve our spouses is by using our words. And so, um, you know, this might be an unconventional teaching on marriage, becoming a servant husband. But, um, you know, I think one of the most significant ways we can enjoy marriage and enjoy parenting is by having that heart of service, by being willing to say, yes, dear, by experiencing the joy in giving. You know, God the Father created us with such a desire to give. He's infinite. He's existed for all time. He's all powerful. There is nothing we can add to him. So why did he make us? Well, he made us because he loves us and he wanted to give to us. And he says it's more blessed to give to receive. So if God himself approaches relationship with us, with the attitude of how can I serve you? How can I love you? And that is the greatest source of joy. We ought to take a cue from that and realize there's a great deal that we can learn from approaching relationships those same ways. So I'd encourage you this week, find one way where you can serve somebody in your life. Let's say you have a job and you might have been, maybe you've been frustrated on this position or this job for a while. I challenge you, find one person that you can serve that it'll, it'll be in a meaningful way to them. Or let's say you are a child and you, you have, you know, still living at home with mom and dad. Maybe one thing that they regularly ask you to do that you hem and haw over, just do without being asked. So pick up the laundry, put it downstairs, you know, whatever you might need to do. If you're a husband or wife, 
ask yourself, what is one way I can really give to my spouse this week? What is one thing I can do that will really mean a lot to them? And I think you will experience that the fact that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. Just again, this is the Hidden Home Podcast, and we want to share how to live a life hidden in Jesus and build a home where he is Lord. We're learning in this together, but as God shows us things, as we learn things in the word, we want to share that with you. Encourage you to tune in to our next week's episode where I'm going to talk about knowing that you're loved by God first and how that prepares you to serve those around you. I look forward to seeing you there. Thank you.